0: This is Teresa Clark with Africa.com. We are here today unpacking the Mercer Report with Standard Bank Corporate Investment Banking Chief Executive, Kenny Fiedler. We are very excited to talk about what is such an important topic to the continent and something that is just central to every aspect of development. We can't have a conversation about moving forward without understanding what is happening on the continent with respect to the ever important topic of infrastructure. And we're very fortunate to have someone here today who has a deep background, deep history, knowledge, and experience around financing infrastructure on the continent and who can provide tremendous insights for us on this important topic. So Kenny, thank you so much for taking the time from your busy schedule to speak with us and our listeners today.
1: No, thank you for having me, Teresa. I look forward to our conversation.
0: Well, let's talk about the release of the Mercer Report. Let's start with those who may not know what the Mercer Report is. And tell us, what is the Mercer Report and why is it important?
1: I mean, this is a very important report in that it looks at... Um, um, uh, the opportunities and challenges related to uh, Africa's uh, infrastructure uh, and it is a follow-on uh, report to the one that uh, or a document that was published in 2018 uh, by uh, MESA and the uh, MEDA advisors uh, and the various elements that one needs to emphasize when looking at this report I mean the first is with regard to the changing Uh, sort of dynamics from an urban population point of view i.e the rate of urbanization within the African continent Uh, the second is the population uh, dividend Uh, the fact that Africa has uh, a higher uh, proportion of younger people which on its own creates massive opportunity from an education economic growth as well as prospect uh, for development and the third is the infrastructure that is required uh, to support a growing population as well as an increasingly urbanizing uh, continent. Uh, and on that basis, then makes the case for infrastructure investment in Africa as well as investment in real estate uh, sort of development.
0: So, this report has been produced year after year, and you sort of look at it when it comes out every year to see what has changed.
1: Uh, it gets uh, produced on a regular basis uh, with uh, uh, a slightly longer uh, interval i mean than the yearly sort of uh, uh, revision and yes uh, we do sort of uh, uh, look at it uh, quite closely uh, because it gives us a sense uh, of emerging trends um, uh, it also highlights um, uh, what the challenges are, and uh, which uh, tend to present opportunities. I mean, in themselves, uh, and also helps us to understand where the gaps are, where we think there's a massive opportunities for investors outside of Africa to play a part in helping Africa in its own uh, development. Now,
0: you've you've mentioned MEDA. Um What is MIDA?
1: Well, MIDA is. Um, uh, oh, let me take a step back and just to explain um, the sort of uh, the three um, uh, sort of partners um, uh, in the sort of uh, ongoing work that we're doing. Uh, the first uh, is uh, sort of MESA, uh, uh, um, who um, is an excellent organization uh, that uh, has technology driven solutions um, that help really uh, to focus on understanding. Um, uh, the uh, various uh, changes uh, that are taking place in the world, uh, operating in 44 countries uh, with uh, uh, over 25,000 employees uh, across uh, sort of uh, the globe. Um, And it uh, then leverages uh, various expertise uh, in helping in the management of uh, strategy development risk, as well as uh, looking at uh, uh, some of the sort of uh, advices that can be provided to help uh, businesses invest in areas uh, that uh, uh, may assist uh, in creating impact investment uh, uh, opportunities. The second partner is uh, uh, MEDIA. Uh, MEDIA is an organization that uh, was uh, sort of uh, uh, founded uh, to specialize in facilitating institutional investment and trade uh, in Africa and other emerging sort of uh, markets, uh, originally founded by uh, sort of uh, uh, or came out of a summit uh, of the U.S. and African sort of uh, leaders uh, back in twenty sort of uh, sixteen, and originally funded uh, through USAID, and, and has a team uh, of people who are looking at uh, broadening uh, the partnership uh, between um, uh, Africa. And uh, the U.S. initially and now broadly speaking uh, with the developed uh, sort of world with the primary focus though still remaining the partnership between Africa and uh, uh, the US. Uh, It provides advisory services uh, to private sector uh, organizations uh, while looking at opportunities within the African continent. And from an Africa point of view, uh, seeks to assist in the mobilization of development finance as well as providing transactional advisory uh, services. So we've built this uh, three-way relationship between Standard Bank nasa and uh, mida because we think that the three organizations bring different expertise and can leverage their own networks and relationships to help fast track the development and the growth of infrastructure uh, the development uh, uh, of uh, uh, women uh, in particular especially just given the inequalities that uh, still exist in many parts of the African continent when it comes to the role of women within society within the work environment as well as within our own economies uh, and, and so it is something that we are very passionate about, uh, something that started at a slow pace, but uh, so does anything new i mean everything new tend to start on a slower sort of uh, rate initially. But we're very encouraged by the momentum that we're starting to see grow and develop and the impact that this partnership is starting to make.
0: Now, from what I understand, and correct me if I'm wrong, MEDA um, brings together some of the largest institutional investors in the United States and gives them a pathway towards investing in, in the US and in, I'm sorry, in Africa. And some of those. Um, institutions in the U.S. are, are the largest pension funds um, that, that have literally billions and billions of dollars to invest but hadn't really found their way to investing in, in Africa. Is, is that what Mida still is today?
1: Um, that is in the main, I mean, the primary sort of uh, conduit uh, through which uh, Mida uh, seeks to sort of uh, impact. Uh, on the African continent, um, it uh, sort of uh, mobilises and acts as um, um, a point um, uh, of convergence uh, for various uh, yes pension fund, uh, but uh, also seeking to look at other uh, sort of asset managers who are looking for opportunities within uh, the African uh, uh, continent. Many of those institutions I mean do not have um, uh, appropriate uh, insight into the continent, uh, do not have large teams that are focusing on Africa and consequently are dependent on organizations such as MIDA uh, to help provide that insight in order for them to be able to identify appropriate opportunities and make a difference uh, through uh, sort of leveraging that conduit, yes. Okay, so,
0: so that helps put in context why this report is so important. Um, as you've just described, when you're looking to mobilize capital, imagine the first thing that that capital needs is education around the asset class and the investment opportunities. And this report um, does some of that.
1: Yeah, I think that uh, the the report, uh, you're absolutely right. I mean, when you are uh, wanting to give um, uh, appropriate information to potential uh, investors who themselves are managing other people's funds, Uh, We need to make sure that the information that is provided uh, is uh, accurate, uh, that all the relevant uh, facts including uh, risk and opportunities are presented in a manner that makes sense uh, and that we also look beyond uh, some of the short-term sort of uh, issues because uh, when you talk about investment in uh, Africa, one cannot take a short-term view uh, just given. Uh, that Africa is still in a state of flux uh, in many areas. State of flux from the rate of urbanization point of view, state of flux from a rapid uh, growth uh, in uh, sort of uh, uh, the population, sort of uh, uh, state of flux with regard to the massive investment and development that is required from an infrastructure point of view, Uh, state of flux with regard to the sort of maturity of the regulatory uh, framework, and in some instances, the maturity uh, of uh, democracy across the different countries. So, in a sense, one needs to take a slightly medium to long term view. And the report, therefore, such as the one that has been produced by MIDA, is absolutely important in focusing investors on the key issues that they ought to look at in making those investment decisions. Okay.
0: Now, I know. There is a lot of um, focus on the global um, investors that are part of MEDA, but I understand that it's also about mobilizing local institutional capital in Africa that may not have invested um, in infrastructure, such as the pension funds from Kenya, as well as the Asset Owners Forum in South Africa, which I understand is a a group of South African pension funds. And, and um, so, so can you talk a little bit more about bringing the, the African investors um, to focus on, on infrastructure as
1: well? Yeah, Africa is an interesting sort of, um, uh, I guess, dynamic with regard to um, uh, where um, uh, pension funds uh, tend to invest. I mean, many of the pension funds uh, in a number of African countries um, would... Um, have quite a significant portion uh, of their funds um, uh, designated for offshore uh, sort of uh, investments. Um, And there's nothing wrong uh, with that. Uh, But we think that uh, there are massive opportunities that exist within the continent, particularly in the infrastructure space. But the mechanism uh, for investing um, uh, into those um, 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 is usually sort of uh, um, underdeveloped uh, um, in that uh, large infrastructure project tends to be government uh, driven. Um, the sort of institutional mechanisms through which those uh, are, are done uh, tend to be through government department or state-owned entities. Um, many of those stand-owned entities may themselves uh, be struggling. Uh, with regard to their own internal capacity and consequently not engaging with potential uh, funders, particularly um, uh, funders uh, on the sort of uh, um, um, pension fund or asset management space. They're very good in engaging with traditional banks, but not good with engaging with other funders. And consequently, those uh, sort of uh, pools of capital are not adequately tapped into Uh, from an infrastructure development point of view. I'm generalizing here. Of course there are countries with well-established debt capital market, uh, well-established sort of uh, uh, asset management firms Uh, that have professional teams that are always looking for these opportunities and are able themselves to identify proper structures through which they can invest in infrastructure development, but that's not necessarily widespread across the continent. So the work of media, therefore, in as much as it is absolutely critical in mobilizing, uh, if you like, global sort of uh, investment into the continent and US investment in particular, it also plays an important role and also mobilizing uh, local sort of investment from sort of bodies such as pension funds and i mean the report even though i mean there's a specific target uh, audience uh, the content is effectively relevant uh, to any investor whether they are in the us um, uh, or in uh, africa and we hope that this report will reach uh, the furthest uh, sort of possible corners uh, of the globe, and that other investors who are looking to the African continent will also go through it and be able to clean some insights that are absolutely useful.
0: So, so this is the first report that's come out post-COVID. Is, is that correct? The first Mercer report since COVID?
1: Yes, since COVID, yes. Uh, There's the first uh, comprehensive report, absolutely. Okay.
0: And so is there Are are there findings from this report that have not followed the theme that you've seen over the last many years uh, because of COVID? Did COVID change or impact the the macro view on infrastructure needs in in Africa?
1: I I don't think COVID has changed um, uh, the sort of uh, long-term trends um, and some of the uh, fundamental sort of uh, issues uh, that relate to infrastructure development and the funding thereof. Uh, what um, um, it has done though, uh, is to rather highlight uh, and put the spotlight on how sort of uh, um, uh, poor infrastructure development can be such a major, major sort of uh, um, hindrance uh, even to sort of uh, Uh, other sort of uh, uh, issues. Uh, Let's take, for example, the sort of access uh, to vaccines, um, uh, the ability to effectively uh, distribute uh, the vaccines, uh, the take up uh, rate uh, of um, uh, vaccines across the different uh, markets, which relates then to public health, education, and so on. I think COVID has just highlighted, if anything, uh, the importance Uh, of accelerating infrastructure development within the African continent uh, because at the end of the day uh, it is not just about uh, infrastructure for economic uh, growth uh, purposes but it is also infrastructure for social development and poor and weak infrastructure unfortunately impacts negatively on both economic development as well as social development and COVID has just driven that point even far more louder than has been the case before.
0: Yes, so like so many things, it seems that COVID was sort of a truth serum that sh- shined a light on whatever issues existed before.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, it also highlighted, I mean, some of the uh, challenges with regard to institutional capacity um, uh, of some of the uh, sort of uh, the state uh, players uh, who ought to be assisting uh, in leading. Um, uh, the uh, the various countries and societies uh, in dealing with some of these sort of uh, challenges that we've seen. Uh, But it is good, I mean, that uh, these issues are becoming more and more uh, visible and more and more pronounced. Um, And at the back of that, hopefully, we'll see a far greater agency uh, in dealing with them. Um, uh, it's also uh, useful in that, uh, as we speak, uh, there's also a cop uh, sort of uh, twenty six that is looking at the climate change, uh, which again speaks to infrastructure development within the African continent. How can Africa be assisted to move away from huge dependence on coal uh, for its energy generation, especially in countries like South Africa? Um, where will the funding uh, come uh, from for that uh, sort of uh, transition just given the quantums that are required? for a country like South Africa to be able to make the transition and so on. I think COVID is just bringing all of these issues to the fore, all at once. Uh, And consequently, I think uh, we need to leverage this report to try and find answers to some of these pressing questions that must be attended to uh, because they're absolutely critical to the development of the continent, as well as its people.
0: So the Mercy Report, Um, one of the the roles that it plays is making the case for investing in African infrastructure. Um, And it looks at topics that investors care about like diversifying one's portfolio, getting potentially higher returns, the positive social impact um, of investing in infrastructure. But when when one thinks about this compared to, for example, um, other uh, sectors in Africa, or perhaps infrastructure in other parts of the world, you know, what is it that truly distinguishes investing in infrastructure in Africa uh, for a potential investor? W- what makes it such a good opportunity? I,
1: I think that uh, the first uh, sort of um, uh, reason uh, is a commercial one that there are a number of infrastructure projects and initiatives uh, in uh, sort of uh, the continent that are commercially sound, uh, have uh, very, very good uh, returns um, and uh, make uh, sort of business sense uh, in the uh, sort of narrow sort of uh, um, uh, sense. Uh, But I think there's an added uh, reason uh, which relates to uh, the impact Uh, that many of these infrastructure sort of uh, projects uh, uh, have um, uh, on uh, uh, economic growth uh, within the continent, as well as on improvement in the quality of life uh, of uh, the people of the continent. Uh, And let me give an example just to illustrate uh, the point. If one looks at the sort of uh, um, the renewable uh, energy sort of uh, program, Uh, that is being run by the South African government uh, with the various uh, sort of phases that we've seen uh, in the last uh, sort of couple of years. Um, All of those projects uh, that have been awarded uh, are commercially uh, viable with massive uh, investor appetite uh, in all of them from the first uh, uh, sort of bid date right up to uh, the latest round that was announced Um, a couple of weeks uh, ago. Um, uh, So that's the first thing, very, very good sort of uh, um, uh, opportunities from a returns uh, sort of point of view. Secondly, um, the renewable energy uh, initiatives are sort of uh, filling a massive uh, gap from an energy sort of supply point of view. There's a massive uh, imbalance between uh, electricity supply relative to the demand uh, in South Africa, which is why uh, there is a sort of a load shedding uh, on a regular basis, because the demand just cannot keep order the supply just cannot keep up uh, with the sort of uh, with the demand. And um, so you are all not only getting decent uh, returns, but you are also making a massive uh, sort of uh, difference. Uh, that impacts positively on people's day-to-day lives. And the shortage um, or the constraint in the electricity supply also tends to be a massive constraint from an economic growth point of view. You cannot grow manufacturing when does not have a reliable and dependable uh, electricity uh, supply. Um, so investing in these type of projects also unlock that economic potential. There can never be a more fulfilling Uh, sort of uh, investment, uh, uh, I guess, uh, reason than all of these three factors uh, coming together in one. And Africa offers a lot and lots of those kinds of opportunities across the different markets. I think that's uh, something that one uh, does not necessarily find um, in uh, 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 any uh, of the developed uh, sort of uh, economies uh, and would also struggle to find it in the same sort of uh, combination uh, in some of the other uh, emerging uh, markets but of course we acknowledge that for that to happen appropriately it requires the right regulatory environment and framework and i think many of the african governments are moving in that direction and if anything they're accelerating their own regulatory changes in order to make this possible and make it possible at a much more quicker rate than was the case before
0: now, one of the barriers that the report addresses is fragmented markets, and the fact that investing in infrastructure in Africa involves looking at 54 frameworks, regulatory frameworks. Um, and so, does the African Continental Free Trade Agreement? The um, you know it promises it has big promises for many sectors in many regards to create more of a singular market does the African continental free trade agreement have any impact on infrastructure in Africa and making infrastructure a a more attractive investment destination or or does it not relate to, um, to, to infrastructure in any meaningful way
1: I think from a direction of travel point of view, um, the more we can um, see traction um, in the sort of um, um, implementation and opening up uh, of uh, sort of uh, markets, uh, uh, both in terms of uh, goods and uh, uh, people movement uh, within the African continent, the more uh, we're likely Um, to effectively have that been preceded by harmonization uh, of the regulatory environment because you need that to be able to uh, promote uh, free sort of trade uh, within the continent. I think we're still in the early stages uh, of that uh, process. Um, There hasn't been any significant uh, shift uh, in the regulatory framework and therefore it remains uh, still predominantly um, uh, based on uh, uh, national sort of uh, priorities of the individual countries, and in some instances, uh, these regulations are not necessarily harmonised nor aligned uh, to sort of uh, 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 each other. Uh, but I think that will change um, uh, with uh, time. Um, um, and uh, but it does not follow, though, that uh, investment opportunities. Um, um, should wait until there's harmonization of the regulatory framework. I mean, many of the investment opportunities that are presented uh, are reinforced enough uh, to be sort of assessed um, in their own sort of uh, merits. uh, And they offer uh, good sort of uh, uh, returns uh, from a commercial investment point of view, as well as from a social investment point of view, even though uh, they are uh, limited uh, to uh, the boundaries of one specific geographies and again if one looks at uh, what is happening in south africa uh, the potential uh, of the infrastructure development in uh, mozambique uh, at the back of the sort of uh, gas uh, fields uh, in the north of the country or the uh, change in the regulatory framework that is taking place uh, in angola uh, and government uh, that its own interest in many Uh, of uh, sort of uh, the big companies within the country. All of those opportunities are attractive uh, in their own right within those specific countries, even before the harmonization uh, of the regulations across boundaries. Uh, The ultimate regulations of, uh, or harmonization rather, of regulations across boundaries, I think can only Uh, sort of add impetus uh, to that process and probably uh, significantly increase the scale of the opportunities, Uh, but the opportunities themselves are there. And I think that they're with uh, very, very decent uh, potential returns. Uh, If people have structured them appropriately uh, and brought in the right uh, partners in their execution.
0: So what would you say for an investor that was considering investing in infrastructure in Africa? And we know that there's always the same objections, uh, particularly in the international community, around concerns about governments and and corruption in Africa, because the infrastructure projects often involve public-private partnerships as opposed to investing in something that may be direct to consumer with less reliance on government involvement in order to see the return. You know, what do you say to prospective investors who I know always raise this the same question? What, what, what is your answer to, to that?
1: I think firstly, Africa is not one country. Um, I mean, we were talking a minute ago about the harmonization of regulations across the different markets. Um, so there are different countries with different dynamics. Uh, there are countries that are well run, Uh, with much more clear uh, uh, sort of uh, uh, regulations and rules uh, with a higher sort of degree uh, of reliability uh, from a justice sort of systems point of view, i.e. the legal regime is well-known, well-established and one uh, can predict how governments will behave, how they will make decision and consequently, therefore uh, there's a high sort of degree of certainty uh, including uh, certainty with regard to um, sort of uh, property uh, rights. But there are also countries uh, that have government institutions that are characterized by high levels of uh, corruption, uh, with uh, the regulatory framework uh, that uh, is still in the development sort of phase and consequently, therefore, unpredictable and uncertain uh, going forward. So I think the first thing that an investor ought to do is to try and understand uh, where sort of uh, the potential uh, sort of uh, geography that they are targeting uh, for um, 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 the falls within this uh, spectrum uh, of stable predictability uh, clear rules to state of flux, unpredictables, and the rules are a bit uh, uh, vague uh, because the different scenarios will offer uh, different uh, returns. Um, And that's sort of the first thing. The the second thing is to choose an appropriate uh, sort of uh, partners uh, as they think about uh, investing or doing work in those uh, markets, which is where I guess an organization such as ourselves um, uh, come into play. We operate uh, in 20 African uh, countries with teams uh, on the ground. We have well-established sort of uh, businesses. We understand the rules uh, in those geographies exceptionally well we understand the risks that are inherent in the various initiatives that are being undertaken by governments in those countries exceptionally well and consequently we can help investors choose appropriate assets in the right geographies and we can help them structure appropriately in order to be able to manage and mitigate uh, the sort of uh, excessive risk uh, where uh, sort of uh, appropriate Um, i think the third issue is to also uh, take a slightly uh, medium to long term view, a lot of the infrastructure projects uh, would not necessarily um, generate a sort of a, a full uh, returns or to have a slightly longer payback uh, sort of uh, period by definition. Because they are large, large, large projects. Uh, they are complex from an execution point of view because they require changes in legislation, they require detailed development of various regulations, ranging from road infrastructure to a resettlement of communities, to issues related to environments and so on. And therefore one needs to take a slightly longer view uh, when looking at those uh, initiatives, which is why it is so important to ensure that you choose the right initiatives, the right projects that have a far more long-term Uh, prospects of success, as opposed to what appears to be short term, but will dissipate uh, in the medium to long term, and we can help them in the process of assessing those and ensuring that the right partnerships are developed with local players in order to mitigate some of the risks that pertain to involvement of local communities, as well as the economic development as well uh, of local sort of uh, communities. I know it's a long-winded answer, uh, but in a sense, I think that the spectrum is wide. But even within that wide spectrum, there are good countries, good sort of initiatives, good projects. And the renewable energy initiatives in South Africa has proven that point.
0: Well, good, well, Kenny, I, I like the way you answered that question, because you sort of brought it back to Standard Bank. And one of the things that makes this so special, and we're talking about the Mercer report here today, But we are also talking to Kenny Fiedler, the chief executive of Standard Bank, Corporate Investment Bank. And you, more so than anybody else, you know, have great insight into what some of these actual real projects look like. So do you mind if we talk a little bit about what Standard Bank has done in funding infrastructure? I think for people on the phone to hear about what maybe one of your favorite I shouldn't you say you can't play favorites. I guess it's like with children, you know, you can't have a favorite child. But maybe you want to talk about one of the infrastructure projects that Standard Bank has uh, funded that, that comes to your mind.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, we have been involved I mean, in the continent for a very, very long time um, and has uh, partnered, um, uh, or rather, uh, the organization has partnered. Uh, with various uh, players in the development of various infrastructure projects. Um, uh, ranging from uh, sort of uh, the uh, how train development, which is a, a private uh, sort of uh, a public-private partnership uh, in South Africa relating to uh, rail um, uh, infrastructure, as well as uh, sort of uh, uh, the moving stock, um, uh, which is called the how train. Uh, connecting the airports to Johannesburg uh, to uh, the capital city uh, in uh, Pretoria, uh, and the plans now to expand that infrastructure to cover other economic centers of uh, the Gauteng province within uh, South Africa. It's a very, very successful uh, sort of private part, uh, pri- public-private partnerships, which we are very, very uh, sort of proud to have been associated with. We have been involved uh, in the funding. Uh, of uh, sort of uh, public-private partnership in the development of roads uh, in uh, Kenya. Uh, That program uh, is a much more bigger, multi-year sort of uh, program. Uh, And what has been developed so far uh, is significantly small relative to uh, the full scope of that uh, uh, program. Uh, And again, we are very, very optimistic about the potential uh, sort of unlock that that uh, will create Uh, to the Kenyan uh, economy, Uh, we have partnered with uh, um, the um, uh, government of Nigeria in their initial attempt uh, to privatize uh, the electricity distribution sector, uh, i.e. electricity reticulation. I'm saying their initial attempt, uh, because there are also lessons that were learned from that uh, sort of uh, initiatives, largely related to regulations, um, uh, in that uh, uh, regulations ought to be sort of firstly transparent uh, and they ought to be long enduring. Um, uh, you can't have regulations that are attractive only in the initial stages of the project. As soon as the private sector has been crowded in, government changes the sort of the goal uh, posed, And what was a financially viable project suddenly is no longer commercially viable because the rules of the game um, have have effectively uh, changed. So we've learned even from those uh, sort of uh, examples uh, and we can have then investors and show that in their contracting arrangement with government and in the conditions that they themselves put on the table, they mitigate Uh, for that kind of uh, risk. Um, uh, But despite that setback that I'm referring to, which has been a very useful learning point for us, uh, we are still buoyant about the opportunities that are prevalent, including in countries like Mozambique, uh, where there's massive, massive infrastructure development that is required. Again, uh, we partnered with the Mozambican government and some of the private players in the mining sector, uh, when Vale was developing its mines uh, and assets uh, in that country, where they needed to develop the rail infrastructure, the road, including uh, assisting uh, with the expansion uh, of the the port. We are involved uh, in some of the uh, public-private partnership initiatives that are taking place in Ghana, again, around the port uh, infrastructure. So our experience in really dealing with infrastructure development through various uh, sort of forms, whether it's government or state-owned entities developing directly, or whether it's through public-private partnership, or whether it's through a completely uh, sort of uh, uh, outsource uh, management contract uh, model um, uh, that we've seen in places like Ghana, and we're starting to see that come as well uh, in uh, sort of South Africa and Mozambique. Again, we've got experience in the management of those different types of initiatives and so on, which is why um, we emphasize the need uh, for investors to find the right local partners to have better insights on the regulatory environment within that geography and who also understand the dynamics throughout the continent in order to bring that experience to bear on a particular sort of project or initiative.
0: Well, that's a really wide ranging portfolio of projects. I know it goes even deeper, but thank you for taking us on a little tour of the continent to talk about some of the important projects that um, you've been involved in for into one that I think many people have exposure to, and that is the one you started with, which is the How Train. And, and, and maybe we could just pick it apart a little bit more um, and go deep for the people to understand the role that Standard Bank played in and how that was structured. Now, I think anybody who has traveled to South Africa um, you know, has a sense for the importance of, of the How Train. Um, it was put in place in time for the uh, FIFA World Cup in 2010, if I'm not mistaken, is, is that right?
1: Yeah, it was developed before then, uh, but uh, by the time the FIFA World Cup came, uh, the Houghton infrastructure was up and running.
0: And so um, you talk about how successful um, that has been, and I take it that you uh, measure success in terms of ridership and the impact that it's had on the ability to um, to navigate through the, you know, most important province, and well, some might say the most important province, but certainly the most important commercial province in in, in South Africa. Talk to us a little bit about how that deal worked as an infrastructure project. Was it a public private partnership, and, and you know, how did the financing work for the How Train?
1: Yeah. I mean the How Train, I think, is a very, very useful um, uh, example of um, how a public-private partnership can work if all the parties uh, to the partnership uh, are driven by one goal, i.e., ensuring uh, that the project uh, is uh, uh, both socially and uh, uh, economically uh, uh, or commercially. Uh, successful. So I think there was massive alignment um, across the different uh, players, uh, ranging from the private uh, sort of uh, companies um, um, that uh, participated in the how train, um, um, uh, the a local construction company from South Africa, um, a sort of uh, a rail uh, sort of uh, uh, operating company uh, from uh, the Americas, North America. Uh, uh, in particular uh, as well as uh, local sort of uh, 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 financier and international financiers uh, who participated uh, in funding and enabling uh, the how train the roles of the different players uh, were properly uh, defined uh, upfront. front uh, who was responsible for a land assembly where the train was going to be developed Uh, And that naturally was a government uh, sort of responsibility. Government executed exceptionally well. Uh, in its responsibilities in that regard, which also included uh, community sort of consultation, involvement, compensation where that was uh, warranted, um, opening up uh, the process uh, for public comments, and as and when there were issues that were raised, ensuring that those are properly taken into account uh, in the development uh, stage or phase of the project. Two commitments that were made by sort of uh, the, Uh, the sponsors uh, i.e. the investors into the project, uh, the local uh, investors as well as the international uh, investors uh, with regard to their sort of uh, uh, social responsibilities um, and ensuring that those are baked in the development of the project uh, and the structure in a manner that creates transparency as to how those will be taken into account, whether they are related to the employment uh, of uh, sort of uh, local labor were appropriate. Um, uh, the use uh, of local material in the construction uh, of uh, the uh, project uh, were appropriate uh, and ensuring as well uh, that the skills uh, transfer uh, from the ongoing operation and maintenance uh, of the how trade uh, sort of uh, infrastructure um, to sort of uh, the setting up uh, of a company uh, that brought uh, together uh, the right uh, sort of uh, teams um, uh, from uh, across the different players and ensuring that that is professionally run uh, and ring fans uh, from undue influence in particular. Uh, of uh, government and government uh, uh, the transport uh, department of government uh, in uh, sort of uh, in particular, uh, I think the other element which probably is in my mind the most important uh, just given the lessons that we've seen uh, in the other projects, is the financial structuring uh, of the high rank development. Uh, I think the risk distribution was very clear um, and well sort of uh, uh, put uh, together. Uh, The funding uh, structure was also uh, put together in a very, very balanced uh, and in a much more sort of uh, robust uh, sort of uh, kind of manner to strike the balance between the risk that the government was taking relative to the risk that private investors were taking and ensuring that that is structured in a manner that effectively um, allocates Uh, risk and returns uh, appropriately uh, to all the players. The added element in the financial sort of modeling and structuring of this project was around creating certainty uh, on the sort of uh, uh, the pricing um, um, uh, structure. Um, uh, uh, How trade um, um, uh, set its own tariffs, of course, I mean, after due uh, regulatory approval, but the certainty as to what the rules are Uh, There isn't change uh, in the sort of uh, rules uh, midway just because national or provincial elections are coming up and then suddenly government changes the rules with regard to pricing in order to be populist. There is none of that. Uh, with regard to how trade so the rules of the game going forward uh, from sort of a consortium point of view when it comes to matters financials are very clear and certainly with regard uh, uh, to those that is on the actual sort of uh, how trade as a project and now is no longer a project is now sort of uh, a running sort of uh, a, a business uh, a sort of uh, a, a entity. But there are other additional elements uh, that have been helpful. I think we reflected on one with regard to ridership. Um, Pre COVID, the how train sort of trains uh, were all sort of uh, full. In fact, they were running at uh, close to 100% capacity um, because they're priced appropriately uh, and the routes that have been identified and were being serviced were routes that were so critical uh, to the economic functioning uh, of the uh, country and were connecting the right nodes. The airport to Santin, which is a very, very big uh, sort of economic hub within Johannesburg to the Johannesburg CBD, the main transportation mode that connects the rest of the country uh, essentially uh, to the capital uh, city. Uh, in uh, sort of uh, Pretoria, with all the smaller sort of uh, uh, stations and economic hubs uh, in between, and um, those trains were literally um, uh, nearly full uh, throughout uh, the day. Um, so it, it wasn't a shortage of demand. Uh, hence, then uh, the current uh, plans that are looking at expanding uh, the infrastructure and the network of how train, it is also well run and well managed. I mean, which I guess is a very, very important uh, sort of point uh, to also take into account, which is completely different to how sort of uh, um, uh, public trains that are managed and run uh, by a government entity uh, are effectively uh, serviced at the moment. If you compare how train uh, to press, uh, which is a state-owned entity that manages and runs commuter trains, I mean, it's chalk and cheese. The process is falling apart, the road network has been stolen, electricity lines have been stripped, um, uh, 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 train stations themselves are dilapidated, and so on. Whereas, how train is the exact opposite. The facilities are clean, they're well maintained, the trains are well run, they're safe, well secured. I mean, it's uh, it's just chalk and cheese, uh, literally. Uh, And I think it is actually a a very, very good model and a proof point that good public-private partnership can leverage the best of both worlds to the benefit uh, of the general public in a manner that is commercially viable. And I think it is a model that ought to be emulated and expanded to deal with some of the infrastructure challenges that we have throughout the continent.
0: Well, extremely well said, Kenny Fiedler, and on that last point. Um, It is a shining example for not only Africa, but for the world. Um, You can hear from my accent that I am American. And um, certainly the the U.S. has just passed a big infrastructure bill because it lacks anything like the HAL train in its major centers. Um, We're constantly saying that whenever I take the HAL train, that we need something like that back in the U.S., and, um, you know, I was a little surprised when you said that there was a U.S. rail company involved in, uh, in, in doing this, because uh, certainly, I think, at that point, it's Canadian,
1: actually. It's, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's why I use uh, North America broadly speaking. <laughs> yes,
0: <laughs> I knew it wasn't American, because American is american <laughs> so, you know, I also noticed that uh, Standard Bank has supported it. You know, understanding so- Standard Bank's um, involvement in the financing should have been obvious because you're a Standard Bank and Africa is your home. Mm. But um, you know, I know that your headquarters you built after the, after the installation of the um, How Train. Your headquarters in Rosebank is right adjacent to the to the Rosebank station. So. I imagine that you have a lot of staff that commute to work using the How train and so you're contributing to the um, utilization of of this and and changing patterns and behavior, making public transportation, um, you know, very viable by connecting, as you say, important hubs so that people can get to work using public transportation for the thousands of people who work at at Standard Bank's headquarters in in Rosebank. So what you just said, uh, puts a lot of pieces of the puzzle together for me. So, um, Kenny Fiedler, I know that we have exhausted the time we have with you today. And I wanna thank you so much for sharing all of these insights with us around um, not only the Mercer Report, but infrastructure in Africa, and quite importantly, the examples that you've provided of the many infrastructure projects that Standard Bank has been a part of. It's been a real pleasure to speak with you today, and I hope that we might be able to get you back to speak to our listeners again on some other topics in the future, because this has been just a very enlightening discussion from someone who sits at at your vantage point. Thank you so much for your time today.
1: thank you very much, uh, uh, Teresa, to you. Uh, And thanks as well, I mean, to all the other colleagues uh, who've made this interview possible. Till then, and uh, all the best.
0: Thank you so much. Okay. This is Eni Fidla, Chief Executive of Standard Corporate and Investment Bank. Thank you very much, me Bye-bye.